Welcome to my PhD, the newest show of the Hopkins Biotech Podcast Network. My PhD is a show for you, by you, where students at any level can tell us about the amazing science that they're working on and other interesting experiences while doing the PhD. If you're at Hopkins, look out in your email for a link to the Google form to sign up to record your own personal podcast. If you're not at Hopkins, we want to hear from you too. Find the link to sign up at our website, hopkinsbiotechpodcast.com, or in the description of this episode. I am your host, Gustavo Carrizo, and I'm joined today by my guest, Peter Cinciano. Peter is a fifth-year PhD student from the pathobiology program at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, and he's conducting his PhD project in Dr. Laura Wood's lab, studying the mechanisms of invasion of pancreatic cancer by using patient-derived samples in organoid models. Since he was in undergrad, Peter has been interested in the industry, reason why as a PhD student he worked as a pro bono consultant at the Johns Hopkins Graduate Consulting Club, as well as participating in consulting competitions. I am really trying not to spoil too much, uh, but he recently accepted the position as a consultant for after his PhD. So Peter, congratulations for that, and we are very happy to have you today, and thank you for joining us. And thanks for having me. All right. Why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? Um, what is your academic background? And how was your journey into Hopkins? Sure. Yeah. So I'm originally from New Jersey, a very small uh, mountainous uh, town in northern New Jersey, Sussex County. It's called Vernon, um, middle of nowhere. And uh, so I did my undergrad in a small liberal arts school in New Jersey called Drew University. I double majored in biology and French, minored in chemistry. Uh, after that, I went to NYU, New York University, and I did um, my master's in science there. I did work in um, an Alzheimer's research lab, so I was all neuroscience. Um, then I took a couple of years off. Um, I worked here at Hopkins and uh, then, you know, uh, kind of was introduced to the program pathobiology and read up on it, talked to some people. And I just really kind of fell in love with the idea of really studying, you know, the mechanisms of disease and then did my rotations and really just fell in love with cancer biology. So that's what switched me over from neuroscience to cancer biology. So, yeah. And do, is in here in U.S. like common that you do a master after your bachelor or the undergrad? Or is like how is the system in, in general? Yeah, it's um, it's kind of mixed. Um, there is a good amount of people who do do the 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 masters before they do their PhD, but there is also a very a very large amount of people who who go right into PhD from undergrad. I just felt like I wanted. Um, I was trying to figure out really if I wanted to stay in um, academia or go right into industry at the time. So. I kind of took that opportunity to really do some soul searching and, and you know, see what really fit with my uh, personal journey. Right, right, right. Yeah, I get, I get that. And I know other people do something that's called a postback as well. You know, you get some working experience in the lab. And what compared with that, at that moment, like a master was more suitable for you because any particular reason before doing the PhD, um, instead of like maybe working? Yeah, so I, I did actually work. So uh, the whole time I was in my undergrad, I worked in a synthetic chemistry lab. Um, it was a privately owned company. We were making specialty polymers for different applications in personal care products, food and um, food and medication. And I mean, it was pretty much everything from like personal care all the way to like um, rubbers that were used in fighter jets and stuff. So it was fun. So, and I mentioned I did a, a minor in chemistry. So I was really trying to figure out if I wanted to go chemistry or the biology. And then if I wanted to do industry versus academia. So I just um, really took that opportunity to to really see what the biology side of everything had. And I'm actually really happy I did that because I realized that um, working in a chemistry lab was really not for me. I, I, 
I liked living things a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah, I have some uh, some friends that they, from the chemist side, they also have a chemist background and they wanted to go for biology. But of course, even if they want to go for immunology, sometimes, you know, you're a bit scared or, you know, you don't know uh, much about that world. And I can see that you, you made it. So um, and that's great. You're working in Dr. Laura Wood's lab, and the Wood's lab is focusing on pancreatic cancer in precursor lesions, right? And as we know, in cancer research, studying like mechanisms in early events is very significant for the outcomes of patients. And can you now you know, tell us about your project as a PhD and what are you trying to, to solve with it? Yeah, so, so my lab is really, we have a lot of different projects. We focus a lot with uh, precursor lesions. We have some people working with um, a certain lesion called IPMM, which is intraductal papillary mucinous neoplasia. Um, and then PANINS, uh, which is another uh, pancreatic intraepithelial neoplasias. And so we have some people who work with those and then other people who work right with the cancer. But we really do a lot of modeling of the precursor lesions as they progress into invasive carcinomas. Uh, so my project kind of comes in uh, in a, a little bit of a later stage. So I'm focusing mostly on invasion and metastasis. Um, invasion obviously being the precursor to metastasis. Um, so my project's really focusing on, I'm doing a transcriptomic profiling of uh, invasive uh, vascular invasive lesions that are still within the pancreas. Um, so we're finding these, these are all in patient samples right here at Hopkins. Um, we're really privileged being here that we have one of the best pancreatic cancer surgery centers in the world. Uh, we have tons of patients that come in, we get all their samples. We can work with them in archived as well as fresh. So um, I work with the archive samples for one of my aims. And then the second aim that I do is we actually get the surgical sample. So within, within hours of it coming out of the patient, we run up to the surgical pathology, we get the tissue, we bring it back, back to our lab. And there's a, a small team of us here and we all have different projects. We all take pieces of it and we derive patient-derived uh, patient organoids from it. And then we're able to study different um, the way that the cancer actually invades uh, in vitro. And one of the other projects I'm working on is taking these organoids and we're implanting them into a, a tissue engineered microvessel uh, where we actually are able to build in three dimensions a blood vessel. And we have the cancer growing around it in a collagen matrix. And over time lapse and using fluorescent microscopy, we're able to actually view how the cancer grows towards the blood vessel, how it actually interacts with it, intravasates into the vessel and then actually goes into the circulation. We have positive pressure uh, media that goes through it. So we can actually watch the cancer getting inside of it. And then we can collect those intravasated cells later. So that's kind of, you know, a, a very broad overview, but really looking transcriptomically at what happens in those early invasive lesions um, in a snapshot and then watching it over temporally res resolving how the cancer invades over time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so far with your, with your models, are you already like validating um, some of those hits that you already have, if you have any, uh, and how is that going um, for your PhD as well? Yeah, yeah. Good question. We, we actually, so we have most of these spatial transcriptomics finished right now. It's all analyzed. And we did find um, a collection of genes that are upregulated in those vascular invasion lesions and a collection of genes that are downregulated. Um, and now what we're doing is we're going back and we're validating them on a protein level now. So as we know, as biologists, uh, RNA does not equal protein. So we're trying to actually see now, does the differentially expressed genes, does it actually correlate to the protein, um, which is actually what the cell is trying to do. And that could give us a better view of actually what the cell is thinking about and trying to do. 
Yeah, yeah, sounds great. And I think that also you you very well said how Hopkins um, is a really great environment for because I I mean I think your lab just work with human samples, right? Like you don't do like mice work. Um, and the advantage the advantage of like having um, this connection between the hospital and 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 the academic research and and the labs all in one place, I think that's really interesting. And and you said your lab is very collaborative, right? And so how is the day by day working there? Um, if you can also describe a little bit that, you know. Yeah, so what really drew me to Dr. Wood's lab was the the environment. We have about, um, I think we have about 12 or 13 people right now, uh, very grad student heavy, um, and we have a really good amount of postdocs. We have people who come from all over the world. Um, I've met some amazing, amazing people here who all come in with different experiences. We have clinical pathologists, we have surgeons, um, you know, pretty much everything, people, PhDs um, from different like genetic backgrounds. So we all kind of, we, we always talk. It's like, I often joke, we're a hyper social lab. We are always talking to each other, bouncing ideas off of each other. And they usually actually, um, it comes to fruition that we learn so much more about our own projects by talking to each other. For example, we have a postdoc uh, from Germany and we were talking about one of these differentially expressed genes that I found. And um, I was naming the, the gene name. And I was like, yeah, you know, there's this gene XYZ. And he was like, oh, interesting. It sounds pretty similar to this test that we do, a blood test that we do in Germany. Um, it correlates really well with um, the, the patient outcome. So if the, this in the blood, if we find this protein and it's very high, typically the patients do really poorly, but we don't know why. And we was like, oh, that's interesting. And we keep talking and talking. And then we talked to Dr. Wood and everything. And turns out that the protein that he was, that they were testing is actually the protein product of the gene that I was mentioning. They have different names, but so, yeah. So it actually ended up being, it, it, it seems to be, um, and we're trying to validate this. It could be an interesting find of um, a, almost a biomarker yeah, early yeah, yeah. astasis. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, those are the things that we kind of come out um, and we, you know, uh, we just discuss as a lab. We have a lot of, um, and because, because of the, you know, the highly collaborative nature of our lab, a lot of us are on each other's papers because we all have some critical, um, intellectual input into these. Uh, so it's, it's great. Also, like when we're having manuscripts that go out, people actually read the manuscript and right. give their feedback and everything. So yeah, that was something that it was very important to me going in, um, to, to the PhD program in general, because, I don't like to just work in isolation. That was what I felt in the chemistry lab. It was just very, um, very quiet and I'm not a quiet person. So <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, it's very important. And you are interested in industry. You, um, you want to, we, we will talk a little bit about, you know, you, what is your future now after your PhD, but this decision, right. That is what you want to pursue after, after PhD by being trained in the lab and in an academic system, how, how was your, your PI, you know, it was supportive and, and if you got that mentorship as well. Right. Yeah. I am. Um, so like I mentioned, I was, I had worked a bit in industry before and I was pretty, um, I, I thought when I came in to do my PhD, I really thought that I was going to go into an industry job working in a pharmaceutical company. And, um, I started um, just, I mean, Hopkins has so many resources here. Uh, Professional Development Career Office, PDCO, was great. Uh, they have so many of these, uh, you know, networking events and um, information sessions. I just started dabbling around and just kind of seeing what was out there. And um, I guess a point of advice for anybody who's an early PhD student is um, to start having the conversation with your PI about doing a... Um, 
IDP, Individual Development Plan. And it's really a good way for you to assess um, what you're interested in, what the skills that you have, what skills you want to learn. But it also has your PI. They do the form as well, and they evaluate you and they evaluate themselves. And you give feedback to your PI about how they can better mentor you. And uh, they give you more advice on like what you can do to better yourself. So where they feel like you're falling short. So we started, Dr. Wood and I started doing that. And um, it was a really good experience. Um, I, I quickly came to realize that I really want to be in a very collaborative, uh, highly communicative uh, role. And then as I guess, I think it was more in my second year, um, I started getting involved with the Graduate Consulting Club. And I started realizing like, oh, this is this is really exciting. You know, it's, it's a way to use your science brain and all your knowledge in the science field, but then helping these companies who are, you know, they've, they've come up with these amazing drugs, these life-saving therapies and everything, but they don't know how to market them or they don't know what market they should go into and how they should basically use their product that they invented. And I started thinking, I was just, it really just excited me. Uh, so I went and I talked to Dr. Wood and I said, you know, I'm really thinking about consulting. And she was very, she was very transparent with me. She's like, I don't know if I have any connections in that. What can I do to help you? <laughs> I was like, you know, and she really said, just like, what can I do to help you? And I was just like, uh, I think I have the resources because between the PDCO and the Hopkins Graduate Consulting Club, I felt pretty secure with that. Um, I just told her, you know, I really want... Um, leadership skills. I want to be able to teach people, work on a team. I want to have, you know, a good amount of independence on planning my project and everything. And she was very, um, very welcoming to that idea. It was really nice um, to have that. So she really allowed me, her and I worked together to really kind of shape um, my project and my experience in the PhD program to best fit me for going into a role as a consultant, like a very, um, a leadership skill, more so. In your case, you got someone that really was uh, giving you the time to go with you through that process, and you know, doing something as as you did these kind of resources together. I think I think that was that's really valuable, right? Because it's really important that in parallel, you know, they also um, can help you with your next steps. And so I think it's it's great. And it, you know, you were mentioning the the consulting club, but before, where do you see you know this project that you are working now on more for the future and in terms of the technology as well? Because you are validating you know bio like markers in in cancer, but also using this nice platform of how do you can see different cancers. So, what is the you know the downstream um, application that you see it coming, or even where is this field that you are now immersed? Where is it going? Like, do you how do you see it? Yeah, yeah, I think. Like the first thing that comes to mind with that is the, I mentioned before this tissue engineered microvessel that I'm working with. Um, so to our knowledge, this is the first time that uh, patient derived organoids have been used in this model. I could be wrong. I don't know what else is out there in the world, but that's published right now. Um, we don't see any other patient derived organoids. I think it is a very valuable tool. Um, we're in the process right now of really evaluating some of the fidelity between what we see in the patient uh, blocks from the, the surgical samples to what we actually see happening in um, the model, the tissue engineer microvessel model. But of course, this can be used for many, any, any type of cancer that you can drive or organoids from. And it's really, um, I mean, we're so limited when we look at cancer invasion and metastasis of looking at a snapshot of, okay, we see, we see a metastasis in the liver, but that's been there for you know, weeks, months, even 
And uh, we never see the actual cancer live invading into the vessel. And we, we're not able to profile what exactly is happening to those cells that first touched the blood vessel. Now we're able to actually do that. So in my program, in the pathobiology PhD program, we have all the senior students. We're, we're a very small program. We typically have about six students per year. Um, and we're able to, when, once you're a fifth year or above, you actually present in journal club, which we have a weekly journal club. Uh, you give your senior student presentation. So I, I presented on my project um, a few months ago. And I mean, the feedback was great. We have uh, people who are working in all different types of cancer and they were saying, oh, you should, you should try it with like, you know, colonic epithelium cells because, you know, that's a very metastatic, you know, cancer that uh, a lot of people study. Um, and I was saying, yeah, I'm like, this is, this model can be used for, I mean, breast cancer can be used for anything. I mean, any cancer that metastasizes could be used in this model. So I think uh, anybody, anybody who's interested um, in this stuff, it's, it's a really good uh, project to get involved in. I mean, the possibilities are endless. It could, it could be really cool. And, uh, you know, furthermore, as uh, you know, I mentioned that we have differentially expressed genes, right? So if you have a gene that's overexpressed, if there's an inhibitor out there, then you could do a mechanistic study where you start targeting that overexpressed gene and, um, it, you know, you knock down the protein and see if you could inhibit, you know, metastasis. And if that's it, then we have a druggable target. So right. that could then be translated directly into the clinic where we can see if this would hold up with patients. So yeah. can we right. stop metastasis? That would be great. <laughs> um, I would like to as well, because now you, you mentioned the graduate consulting club and also, I've been involved last year there, and for my experience, like even if you don't know about consulting, I think it's a really good experience to there, you know, get a sense of what actually it entails, and you know, to work with real clients, as you said. If you enjoy working in teams, I really encourage people to to try it for the new projects that are coming in in this semester. Um, but I know you got an offer, and you know, I, I mentioned it before, and and that's your your next step as as a consultant and. What do you, because you went through the process of interviewing and I know that it's a very, uh, you know, like heavy and you need to put a lot of effort to get ready for the interviews. It depends where, where do you apply, right? But um, if you as well can, you know, we can maybe close um, you giving some, some of your experience through those interviews and how maybe the consulting club at Hopkins also help you um, or, or to, you know, to get a better profile there or even to get ready. For, for those yeah, things. yeah, that's a, yeah, definitely. So I, I will have to say that the Graduate Consulting Club at Hopkins is incredible. They, they're very dedicated. The executive board, from my experience, has always been really dedicated um, to just helping people learn about what consulting is and what, what it's like to be a consultant. Also, um, a lot of these large and even boutique consulting firms often do events through Hopkins where they all come on campus and, uh, you know, pre-COVID times come to campus and do like info sessions where they'll, they'll work through a case with you that they actually had and you as a, as a whole room, like, a, and there's usually very good turnout too. So a lot of people come in all different experience, business school, school, of public health, school, of medicine, any, anyone's welcome. And they really work through these cases and they tell you like, this is what we're looking for on your resume. This is what you should highlight. This is what you should not highlight. This is how you work through a case. And um, yes, doing the, doing the interview prep is i would say like 90% of the struggle it's it's they're they are heavy they're really intense um and depending on where you interview you usually have multiple interviews per day um sometimes it's all in one day um i had one interview where it was five 45 minute interviews back to back 
very exhausting. Um, I had another one where it was two interviews back to back. And then a day later, they let me know, okay, you're into the final round. Then you do two more interviews. So they're all different, but you do go through these um, practice cases. And that's what really the prep work is. You have to be able to think clearly, organize your thoughts, um, and do quantitative uh, skills off the top of your head. So you're, you're calculating percentages and, you know, uh, market penetrations just on the drop of a dime. Um, so the consulting club really does prep you for that. They tell you what to expect. Um, then they give you the resources to tell you, um, okay, you should read this book and this. They also have you sign up for, um, they give you like a casing partner. So you can Zoom call with them or meet them in person if you want. And you just each prep a case and you um, just teach each other. Um, and you're just, you walk through the case. Uh, I was also very fortunate. Um, one of the immunology graduate students who just finished, Elena McDonald, a uh, good friend of mine, we were casing, case partners together. Um, and, you know, we were every Monday, we would get together and we'd do cases together for months. And uh, she just accepted a job. I accepted a job. So we're, we're there <laughs> for great. each other. So. Successful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. And just finally, like, um, I know that you also did some consulting competitions and compare with your real experience with the consulting club compared with that like how in, in those interviews how that really you know actually I um should have mentioned this before but every interview that I had every interviewer was so focused on their like tell me about the pro bono consulting project you worked on what was your role what did you do how did you figure this out what was the challenge that you had they really loved it so more so than the case competitions actually um I actually don't think they mention the case competitions at all. <laughs> I think also because when they're looking through hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of applications, so many people do those case competitions. And it's, I mean, they're good. They're, don't get me wrong. They're very good. It's a good skill learning, you know, working on team and everything. But when you're actually on a pro bono project, that is exactly what it is like to work with a client. Because you are working with a client and they're giving you their real problems. And, um, You know, it's really, it, that I think was probably the most valuable thing I took from the cons the consulting club was getting involved in those pro bono projects and, and working with a team like that. Because it's a few months. I think our project was, I think it was like three or four months that we were on a project. Yeah. So you learn a lot and they really love to, you know, talk to me like, what was the hardest part about the project? What was, you know... A diff did you ever have any difficulty communicating with the client? How did they like your outcome? What was, you know, all that stuff. So that I think was really very valuable. So if, if any advice for anybody who's looking to go into consulting is get involved in a pro bono project and, you know, any time is fine. If you do it in your last year, right before you apply, it's fine. You don't need multiple ones. I only did one and um, yeah. they liked it. Yeah, I mean, at the end, you want to be able to talk about real experiences, right? Because that's generally showing who you are. And so I think that's, that, that's really important and having the chance to, to do it uh, in the same environment that you are already while doing your PhD, I think that's really important. So thank you so much for sharing all of this. Your science is great. Um, your project is great. And I hope, and of course, I wish you all the best for, for the next step in your career. And, and yeah, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Gus. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to follow Hopkins Biotech Podcast on social media at Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter for updates about upcoming guests and visit us at hopkinsbiotechpodcast.com to check out our mission and full catalog of episodes. 
Also, check out the Google form at the link in the episode description to sign up for your own My PhD episode. I am Gustavo Carrizo, and thank you for listening.